0: Welcome to the Online Fraudcast. I'm Carice Hendrick.
1: And I'm Brett Johnson.
0: And we're both anti-fraud experts. But
1: with very different sets of experiences.
0: I've been in the anti-fraud space for well over a decade, working with hundreds of the biggest online companies in the world to help them prevent payment fraud.
1: And prior to several years ago, I was a fraudster. I committed several different types of fraud online, ended up on the United States' most wanted list, spent time in prison, and since that point, I've dedicated my career to helping businesses and consumers protect themselves against people like I used to be.
0: Whew, what a week it has been, and what a week it's going to be.
1: <laughs> Amen on that. Busy, busy.
0: Very, very busy, but we're, you know, it's the good busy. <laughs> <laughs> we're really excited about being at CMP and seeing so many of our listeners. I've heard from a lot of you that you're excited to come. Uh, we this are excited. Is
1: our last episode before the CMP appearance,
0: it is, yeah. Which is kind of, I don't know why I'm getting sentimental, but <laughs> I was getting sentimental before we record too, because I was like, you realize at this time two years ago we hadn't met in person yet. And, and then at this time, to, or one year ago, we had been talking about the podcast and we had like tried to do a few episodes, but man, we've come a long way since then. And we were just about to release our um, first podcast episode. So yeah, I get really sentimental around this time because <laughs> CMP has been such a, um, like it's almost like the new year for me, like a, a, an end of one thing and a beginning of another um, in a lot of ways in my life. So, yeah, I mean, we even moved last year around this time. So it, I get very sentimental. Yeah. So it's our last recorded podcast episode together. I am definitely doing the vendor and merchant podcast this week as well. I'll release it as a bonus in anticipation for CMP. And um, there's a few of you that are really, really excited about that episode. Gosh, I hope I don't disappoint. I've done a lot of work on that. I almost have too much information. I know. Yeah, I should you have too much. You know me. You know I always do too much <laughs> prep, too much knowledge. Yes, when we have a 45-minute time deadline and we always go over to an hour, yes.
1: Well, yeah, <laughs> really too
0: much. <laughs> Yeah, and I know it will with this because there's just so much. I'll be doing that, but this is our last recorded podcast together, and then we're doing the live podcast at CMP, and that will be released shortly after that. And then that's going to be it for our first season. We... Had a strategy call with our agent a couple of weeks ago and made the decision. I should say they made the decision and I went along for it. And now I'm coming around. (laughs) I'm pretty sure our agent was like, wow, Carice is really close minded. I was like, no, I like it the way it is. (laughs) I'm pretty stubborn, but I've come around. (laughs) So we're going to, you know, every podcast, every TV show, everything has seasons. So this has been our first season. And the way we look at it is that our first season, we've really been primarily focused. We had a couple episodes that we know we wanted to do for consumers, but primarily we've been focused on online businesses. And, you know, anyone that knows me knows that's where my heart is. So that's what I care about most because that's where my career has been. But Mr. Johnson over here has made some very good points about how cybercrime doesn't just impact merchants. And it's not in a silo. What's impacting merchants is also impacting consumers and financial institutions and so many other people. And if we're just talking to one group, we're not helping everyone. Right.
1: So I'll let you. I'm just a believer in that. I mean, it's just, you know, I, I look back at when I was a criminal and I was doing online crime and, and. My crimes hit merchants, but when when I would hit a merchant, it would also victimize the person's card I was stealing, mm-hmm. or you know I would hit a government, but it would also victimize the person's information I was using to defraud the government, and it was this it was a circular thing. It was just it it wasn't just one vertical, it wasn't just one part of. An online community or our online society—it was every part of that. And you know, I, I believe that, and I think we mentioned that you and I were talking. It was last week or the week before. Mm-hmm. You know, if you are looking at cybercrime, if you are look if you are a merchant out there, if you are, if you have a product or a service, you have a customer. Well, if you can educate the customer to be safer online, that means that your company is going to lose less money, right? So that's what I am. That's what I am wanting to do is, is give an overall picture of what cyber crime is and also educate bring the education level up of everyone across the board and when you do that you're going to see these crimes start to fall you're never going to get rid of all of it but crime will start to drop the more educated people across the board become
0: Right. And I think as a society and a culture and just, you know, the evolution of education and knowledge that, okay, this stuff happens has been coming a long way. I mean, the fact that we have so many major media organizations attending CMP to learn about this, that's never happened before. I've probably gone to, I don't know, at least 50, (laughs) uh, maybe a little less than that, like frog conferences, ranging of size. And all that, I mean, internationally and nationally and stuff. And I've never seen, you know, the Wall Street Journal attend a frog conference. Right. So I think that, you know, there's that palette out there. And, you know, I hear it from consumers all the time is like, well, if I just knew what to do. And so I think that's the podcast isn't going to change, you know, dramatically, but we are going to be opening it up and talking about things that impact consumers as well as online businesses, as well as, you know law enforcement and financial institutions because, to Brett's point, just take like a you know, carding as an example, like the basic level. If a stolen credit card is used, it's not just impacting that online merchant who has to pay for it, it's also impacting the bank because they have to reissue the card and they have to you know, file the chargebacks and all that stuff, it's impacting the cardholder. Because maybe they couldn't make a payment on something because they were waiting for their chargeback money to come back or whatever it is. But it's that way with every type of cybercrime, whether it's payment fraud or not. And so we will be expanding that and kind of reaching out to more people. But we will still have things for merchants. We've been talking about different ways to do that, whether it's, you know, a Patreon group or, you know, having a couple bonus episodes specifically for online merchants or what. But also, I mean, don't forget, both Brett and I are also consultants as well. And on the podcast, we can talk about generalized stuff all the time, but that's not the extent of our knowledge. And so if you ever have questions about, you know, what are the bad guys doing to hit either my company or companies like me, or what should I be thinking about with this new business model, go to Brett. If you have questions about chargebacks, especially with these new regulations coming into place from Visa, where they're reducing the ratio of chargebacks for merchants for being fined from 1% to 0.9%. You have questions about best practices around fraud prevention, systems, processes, all those things. Or if you're a vendor who has questions about like, what do merchants think of my company? Or what should I be doing differently? Or what types of products should we be looking at? Or those kind of things. That's when you call me and we both are available for strategy calls on an hourly basis. So not that we're trying to like turn off this fire hose or anything like that. It's just, you know, we don't want you guys to feel stranded. And so there are other opportunities, but we have to streamline our knowledge and our time. But also we do have such a passion for knowledge and education for everyone. And I do the way that really I came around to this was exactly what Brett said. You know, your customers, the merchants, customers, are just as important in educating about fraud, if not more important than you guys. Because they're the ones, you know, a lot of times that are making mistakes that they don't realize they're making. Open you up for fraud more. Let's take account takeover, right? If we could just convince your customers (laughs) to have unique passwords by telling them stories of what happens if you don't have unique passwords, maybe, maybe even by 1%, your account takeover rates will go down. And that's still significant. So that is that is our goal. We would love to hear from you guys about that. But we'll also be having a lot more interviews. I'm looking forward to it. It's it's similar to the T-shirt, right? Like, I fought you on that graphic design so much. I did not want to wear a cape. And I didn't want people to think that I thought that I was a superhero. And I also was like, nobody wants to walk around wearing a T-shirt with my face on it. But sure enough, there's so many of you that are really excited and have ordered them. So <laughs> I'm coming around. It just takes Sweet. me a little bit.
1: <laughs> yes, come, come over to the dark side. I
0: was say, I don't know if that means you're a good influence or a bad influence. But I do have to tell you guys one quick funny story because I know you guys like these. So we're on a call with our agent and Brett just kept saying his vision for the podcast was that he wanted to become the next Charlie Rose of cybercrime. And he said it probably like three or four times. And he's like, yeah, oh, the Charlie Rose of cybercrime. And I said, um, Brett, can you pick a different journalistic role model? Well, who else <laughs> could I pick? I
1: can't pick Matt Lauer. I know.
0: I, I know. They're all. Also- king. <laughs> It's true, I know, it's just like, (laughs) I said, well, I want to feel comfortable walking into your office if we ever share an office one day. I'm I'm
1: not going to have that secret button like Lauer had.
0: (laughs) Yeah, but I'm like, ew, can you pick a different one? And then he made that point and I was like, oh, I guess not. Okay, well, why why don't you be the Brett Johnson? It's like, what the hell? (laughs) (laughs) There's got to be something. Like a psychiatrist would have a field day with that. But yeah, I just was like, "Um, excuse me, (laughs) only girl on the call.
1: (laughs) you know I just uh, so you know we want to uh, we want to bring in people and, and interview them you know and and we have a lot of fun talking with with just me and you and mm-hmm. we're going to continue to do that but you know give some different viewpoints as well from law enforcement from victims from merchants from some security providers from criminals i mean if we can get some criminals in here that past criminals or current criminals To talk to them and, and see exactly what their train of thought is. Maybe try to convince them of, hey, why don't you stop breaking the law, idiot? (laughs)
0: well I was like I've got a former criminal I don't know what you need but no I mean there's definitely you and I know a lot about a lot but there's a lot of people that you know know stuff about things that we don't and we want to bring them on and I think it's what you and I have been talking about is bringing on former cyber criminals or current cyber criminals and you know having that conversation you definitely have some resources for you know all sourcing those kind of interviews as well as bringing on victims of different types of cyber crime, bringing on law enforcement. We definitely have several anti-fraud vendors that would like to come on as well, which we're going to try to work in as well. We want to make sure that, you know, it's something that is of interest to everyone that's listening. But I do think that, you know, people want want to know that. Like, what is what is out there to protect us by protecting companies? Those vendors are protecting consumers. That will be very important. And we also just want to keep it real. We don't want to have these, you know, puff interviews. We're, right. we're not, it's not going to be softball questions. I definitely have, you know, told Brett we don't want to like burn bridges and roast people, and he knows that, and he won't. She
1: said that because she saw me with a torch and some gasoline.
0: <laughs> <laughs> no, I can just. I the bridge? I don't have to see it to know that it's there. <laughs> I've known you long enough. <laughs> Got no, I mean, Well, you like no, you like to get a rise out of people, and I understand that, but. You know, just keeping it in mind of like, how can it be educational rather than, sure, you know, burning bridges. And and well, I you think know that, we're on
1: the same page with you know, that. One of the most most one of the most important things I think is is to bring on victims because, yeah. you know, even in my presentations, I've started uh, this year. I've I've been talking about some victim impact, mm-hmm. but a lot of the times in security and fraud or anything else, we're so concentrated on talking about the crime and how to prevent the crime mm-hmm. that we never give voice to the victims. And I think we need to
0: do that. I actually, it's funny you say that because I actually like commented on one of our mutual friends' LinkedIn's today about that because he was posting a story. You know, and we're recording this Mother's Day weekend, and he was posting a story from the New Yorker over the summer about the writer's mother, elderly mother, that got scammed, and and my grandmother got um, hit by the same scam. Both of my grandmothers have now been hit by a scam. One unfortunately passed. I was telling him like, you know, I have been trying to force myself and I think you and I both have had this realization kind of around the same time we've had conversations around it where we find ourselves so focused on the business side of fraud prevention and like the strategy piece and all this other stuff that we don't consider how much of an impact it is to people's lives. Even if it's just the inconvenience, even if their bank took care of the charges in their mind, you know, we all know who takes care of it. You know, there's still an impact of some sort. Their rent was late Their This was, you know, whatever it is. And I think that we Inherently forget about that a lot. And so it is important to remember that. And I also think that victim interviews are going to be probably the strongest way to get people to stop having bad habits online. Same password for multiple sites, or, you know, that's the easiest one to think of. But there's so many others. Don't click on the link unless you know who it's from, you know, all those different things. Like, be cautious when you're internet dating, especially somebody, you know, long distance, whatever it is. I mean, we could literally do like 500 episodes and still have so many more topics to discuss. But so we just wanted to keep you guys in the loop, especially since you guys have really been there for us in the beginning. And I'm super loyal to it and Brett is as well. And we're very grateful. And I feel like we're breaking up, but we're really not. We're just seeing other people. (laughs) (laughs) It's, it's, it's not you. It's me. (laughs) No, it's just more of an open relationship. Well, especially we preach collaboration all the time because we really believe in it. But I think what we're preaching usually is how important it is for merchants to collaborate with other merchants or, you know, merchants to collaborate with law enforcement or merchants to collaborate with issuers. But what if everybody on the planet collaborated together? And I am not that idealistic, but I'm just saying, like, if we were able to bring consumers and merchants and vendors and law enforcement and everybody together that yeah. is going and and educate each other and cross pollinate that information across all those different silos and different personas. Then there's less unknowns and there's there's more action that can be taken. So
1: I agree. And and you know, I was just thinking you were talking about that that action that could be taken. I was at Quantico uh, three days ago at the Quantico CISO Academy for the FBI, talking to a bunch of companies and merchants, and one of the guys in the back of the room. <laughs> After the presentation, I talked for 90 minutes. After the presentation, he raises his hand. He, he says, I've got two questions for you. I'm like, what's that?
0: <laughs> Lay <laughs> so it on he's me.
1: He's like, first question, how much money did you steal? And when he said that, I'm like, oh, this guy's good. He didn't huh. ask how much money I made. He asked how much money yeah, I stole. Yeah, so I, I like know, which only. I'm always, so I, I make I told him. I was like, oh, about $7 million is what I'm guessing. Uh-oh. So the next question he asked is he said, okay, so the next question I've got he said, uh, so far you've mentioned, uh, everything you've told us is about rifle cleaning, you know, the stuff that the companies need to do. What about mm. what we need to do with the criminals? And it hit me, man. I was like, it got me so bad. I was like, wait a second. He's absolutely right. I've been talking about just what the companies need to be doing. What, not more about what we need to be doing about stopping these online crooks mm. and, and criminals that are there. And, um. When you were talking about that, that just you know, if we can if we can get this overall picture, if we can talk about cybercrime as a whole, raise the education level up, then we can also start talking about ways to to defend not only defend against, but to maybe even launch some sort of offensive against some of these crooks in the long run. Hmm. You know, to, to try to to put them on their heels instead of them putting
0: everyone else on their heels all the time. That's a really good point. I think that. Somewhere along my journey of the last 15 years, I kind of got jaded with having with even the thought of criminals paying their dues or anything like that. And, you know, when you first meet when you meet a merchant who's just discovered crime on their website or is brand new to fraud, they're very energetic. And they're like, "Okay, how do we prosecute all of them? Let's do that. You know, I want to get the bad guys. We need to get them. I I did all this research. Like, who do I turn this into? And you're like, really, no one. You know, there's not really and and that's not entirely true, especially to the law enforcement that listen. But I mean, that's the short answer, because it takes so much time and effort on the merchant side or anyone's side to consumer side, anything to figure out which branch of the government do we send it to? And are they going to do something about it? And, you know, have they had a good day where they want to take on another case? Like, there's so many things because I mean, to be honest, a lot of the law enforcement that this especially the national law enforcement on the U.S. side. I can really only talk about the U.S., unfortunately. I know we have a lot of international listeners. On the U.S. side, they're also dealing with counterterrorism and, you know, guns and, I mean, drugs and all these other things that cybercrime kind of falls, you know, especially payment fraud, falls kind of towards the end. And then you watch this progression of everyone getting jaded and realizing we just need to stop the bad guys. It's just a game of whack-a-mole. We're not actually exterminating the moles and We're just bopping them on the head and they go back underground and they go somewhere else. And I think that, yeah, I mean, as long as we're talking idealistic here, it would be great to be able to say, okay, so now here we're, here's what we're going to do is come up with strategies and suggestions for how to prosecute more of these maybe we provide a resource that says like, here's who you call it. If you have this kind of fraud or that kind of fraud, or this is what you do, or this is how you build a case. Like, I don't know. I'm spitballing here. And I realize as I'm talking, I'm basically signing myself up to do more work, (laughs) but (laughs) (laughs) which I do very well.
1: uh, We were having this conversation at, at Quantico. Mm-hmm. I was, I, I, I guess I kind of led into it because I was I was showing off my fake IDs, of course. Mm-hmm. And we started talking about, you know, Which, it's not who else just... would
0: go to Quantico with a stack of... <laughs> to go, look what I got, guys. I bought these on the dark web. <laughs> look at this.
1: <laughs> New toys.
0: You're the only person, I swear, that would have the balls to do that. <laughs> well, you know,
1: the thing was, as is I, is I was talking, I was like, you know, look, the quality of these IDs... And these are not even the best quality, but these quality, this quality would work well in a bank, mm-hmm. with a merchant, to verify accounts, anything else you'd need to do with these IDs I've got now. Now, you can purchase one-to-one IDs that cannot, I don't care if it's machine or not, cannot tell the difference between this fake ID and the real thing. All right, cannot, cannot. So what happens now, right now we're seeing that usage, a lot of the usage with defrauding for money. All right, or committing crime for financial reasons. But what happens when you get a bunch of people who are ideologically driven to shoot others that use IDs to come across a border? That mm. is the issue. And that, that's still cybercrime. Mm-hmm. That's that's some of the things that we need to start to start looking at more and more. It's not just it's not just financial reasons that online crime is undertaken. It's status, ideology, cash. And we need to be looking at all these facets in order to get this this huge picture of what's going on and how we can better defend ourselves and hopefully shut down some of these things that are happening.
0: Well, and like we talked about last week, I mean, payment fraud isn't in its own silo anymore either. Like everything's kind of crossing over with each other. All the different things that used to be, okay, this only happens to an online company. This only what? happens to a bank. This only happens, you know, this is... Cybersecurity, or our infosec team's job. This is the fraud team's job. They're all kind of blending in together. Absolutely,
1: and absolutely. And, and the that's same the other thing piece. with the same thing with the criminals. I mean, you yeah. look at look at NotPetya, and I've 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 mentioned this before. It's a nation state attack. It was the Russian government targeting the Ukrainians. Hmm. But what what happens with that attack? It just doesn't hit the Ukrainians. It shuts down Mersk it mm-hmm. destroys that company. It, it hits pharmaceutical companies. It hits all these companies outside of Ukraine. And that's the problem that we're facing today. It's, it's not just that one vertical is targeted because everything's interconnected. If, if right. one vertical or one company gets targeted, the chances of it hitting others others outside of it that have nothing to do whatsoever with that company, it's pretty high at that point. It's, right. it's going to go on. So we, we need to, to get word out, to raise the education awareness levels and and so people understand exactly this face of cybercrime, the face of the criminals that are out there the reasons that criminals are attacking and what they can what can be done about it
0: well and i think i mentioned this before the terrorists that were behind the 9-11 event they right. used stolen credit cards on an online travel agency had that company detected that I can't say that they would have necessarily prevented the entire attack because, as you know, more than even I do, when ideology is behind, is one of those three, is the main motivator out of those three choices, usually nothing's going to stop them. They're going to find another way, even more than, you know, money or anything else. You know, the story could have been different. They it, it at least would have made it hard, right? Oh, absolutely. Um, and there's a lot of bigger crimes that are funded by credit card fraud or bigger crimes that are funded right. by, you know, account takeovers or other types of cybercrime. I mean, no granted, most well,
1: of my example that, that feeds in with those nine eleven terrorists as well. So we were running shadow crew. We had a, a variety of fake ID makers from mm-hmm. they were doing Michigan, New York, California. They were doing like 15, 20 states total. So back then the IDs you had a couple of really good quality, most of them were not, but It didn't matter who wanted an ID; these providers would make them one. So, so a news organization from New York—they find out about Shadow Crew. What do they do? Just to test things, they 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 contact one of these ID providers. They send their picture in. The picture they send in is one of the 9/11 hijackers. Will you make an ID for this person? Wow! The ID was made. ID was made. So, if you're looking at that type of thing. Now that's, that's a hypothetical, but if you're now, now I went down to Mexico, went down to Tijuana to have this weight loss surgery going across, no one checks. So from California down to Tijuana, no one checks passport. You just drive right across. It's fine. Coming back. Are you supposed to have a passport? Well, they want you to have one, but guess what? You don't have to have, as long as you have a driver's license and a birth certificate, they're going to let you across. Well, if you're carrying a driver's license, that is a one-to-one that you cannot tell the difference between the real thing and that, it's just got a different face on it, and you've got a birth certificate. Well, birth certificates are a dime a dozen. So what's the chances of someone being able to make it across the border? Now, if you're dealing with someone that's ideologically driven to cause damage to people, that's a huge issue all of a sudden.
0: Yeah. No, that's all very good points. I mean, I yeah, it's scary. <laughs> I'm like, thanks, buddy. The mood of the room just went, um. <laughs> Well, I could <can> help. <laughs> Like a Debbie Downer skit on SNL or something. <laughs> wah,
1: wah. <laughs> <laughs> wow. You just start doing that. Anytime I start talking, you just go wah, wah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> That'll be the new version of the frog cast. I'll have all these, you know, buttons. <laughs> so much more high tech. I don't think so. But <laughs> but anyway, we so yeah, I mean, we've talked a lot about what's coming up, but we just want to give you guys a heads up about that. We really wanted to kind of, you know, recap some of the things we've established with you guys. The other thing is, too, is that all of our former podcast episodes, for the most part, are all evergreen topics. They're things that, you know, are going to continue to happen. So, you know, definitely go back and and listen to some. Or if you haven't listened to all of them, they're going to stay up. So it's kind of like a library or an, an anthology. And I think we're on episode like 34 or 35 or something like that. So plenty of little of nuggets. Yeah, it is a lot of nuggets of information. I did want to talk about a couple things that other things that have come up from online merchants recently about stuff that they're seeing. One of them is gift cards, which we've talked about before. I actually think the full ups, I just realized right now that the full episode we did on gift cards never ended up. Working out because it didn't record. Right. So, it yeah, didn't record. I know. Right. Shoot. We, yeah. So we're going to have to do that episode at some point because that's, we can't dive into it as much as we did then in this episode. The current gift card problem that one pretty large merchant with omni-channel or multi-channel you know business model. So they have physical stores that are their own, but they also have online channel that's pretty dominant. Um, as well as it's just a really big brand, they've been seeing a lot of, and this actually goes right into what we were talking about. They're seeing a lot of scammers over the phone encouraging consumers to go in and buy gift cards to pay them off. So, sure. so you know, a couple examples of that. One is I know that scammers are calling elderly or um, you know senior citizens and saying that they're from Social Security Administration. A lot of times, they're saying that illegal immigrants are using their social security number to get across the border. I believe they're preying on fears of you know people who have been watching the news and, and believe that that's happening a lot. And so, and you know, you said on a previous episode, like most most people that come across the border, most undocumented immigrants actually aren't using them, but you know, usually they're just completely forged. But they'll say we can, we can take care of this. I need your social security number, but also we need a payment of $500 in Best Buy, Walmart, Amazon, whatever the gift card is for processing fees. Or there's other ones too, like, you know, your grandson is in jail and you need to pay his bond. And the best way to do it is through gift cards. What are some other examples that you've seen around this?
1: Oh, geez. It's anything you can imagine. So it's, uh, it's a tax fraud. It's warrants out for you. It's uh, debt owed to some company. So, mm. you, you know, you've got an outstanding debt that's 15 years old and they're threatening you on that. It's any number of things, whatever the, the excuse could be to get you to, to send money over. That whole scam has to do with inciting fear in someone. Yep. So, it's scaring someone enough to cause them to react.
0: So causing them to react and a lot of times go into a physical store to buy gift cards. And then they're calling the scammer back or the scammer calls them right back afterwards and gets the numbers on the back. What's happening is people are going into these stores and they're buying gift cards to appease the scammer and then they'll – call their bank and say, oh, I think I was hit by a scam. Like once they realize that it was a scam, they'll call their bank and say, I was defrauded. And the bank isn't, they only know how to do a couple things. And so, you know, there's only so much they can do about fraud, right? And so they either issue a chargeback or they eat it. And that's pretty much all the bank can do. And so a lot of times they're filing a chargeback. I was kind of unclear why that was happening in store. And I still sort of am, but I know that there are more and more companies that are charging cards that are on file. So that would be a CNP transaction, even if it's in store or maybe they don't have EMV yet, which then would be their liability or maybe the purchase there. There are a lot of gift cards being purchased online as well, where the liability is obviously on the merchant for the same reason. But we're seeing because a lot of senior citizens don't use the internet They're not going online to buy gift cards. They're going in person. And the bank just files a chargeback, and then it's on the merchant. Well, the merchant had no way of knowing that that was fraud because the cardholder used their card. Absolutely. So that – I don't really know where the onus lies, except for at the consumer end. But as far as, like, the liability piece, I don't really know who should be paying for it. But it's really challenging because merchants can only, you know, prevent so much. And you can't prevent – if you were to – be able to identify when a cardholder is going to pick up the phone and call and file a chargeback for any reason, you you know, gosh, if I could figure out that technology, we'd be retired by now. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Wouldn't be be doing the podcast then. I don't know. I think it's fun anyway, but I feel like you need to be a psychic. So I had this huge company be like, what do we do? And there were a lot of really good responses on the LinkedIn post. But before I kind of share a couple of those, I think for me, I think this is more of a human issue than a technology thing. I think that the way that you solve it is multi layered. One, by educating consumers that anytime a government agency calls or anyone calls and says, the only way you can take care of this is by gift cards, think about it for a second. That would be my first suggestion, you know, having a media campaign or, you know, that kind of education. I also believe and I know that you'll probably have a little bit of (laughs) tug of war with your PR department, but I believe firmly in merchants educating their consumers on what's going on. You're not admitting that you guys are victims of fraud because you're not. It's, hey, we want to protect our customers and let you know what's happening, but you don't have to even say that your gift cards are the ones that are being targeted. You can just say, like, we're trying to educate you. You can put it on your FAQs. You can put it in an email of like a public service announcement. You can put up signs at the register that says, Hey, if you are buying this gift card for someone you don't know and make it fun and cute or whatever, like think about it for a second. I know what you're about to tell me, Brett. I'm just gonna steam <laughs> right past it and then I'll let you because I know exactly what you're about to say. But there's certain, you know, things that you can do to try to prevent it to at least put some barriers in place to make people stop and think just a little bit of like, "Mm, maybe I'm, you know, maybe there is something weird about this. That would be my first suggestions. But I will let you now say what I know you're dying to say. (laughs) Well, I mean, look, look,
1: so there's so much stuff there. And, and you know, as well as I did, when you mentioned this gift card thing to me, I was like, "Eh." oh, yeah. (laughs) <laughs> because everyone knows I, I don't really hide my emotions. Everyone knows exactly what I'm thinking. They know by looking <laughs> at my face, by my tone of voice it's like uh... I've
0: gotten to the point by just the words and I mean I can see right through a text message and know you're rolling your eyes at the same time. Oh, yeah
1: oh yeah and and the reason I roll my eyes at that. So first of all, who do I think is, who do I think is ultimately responsible? The consumer. Okay, the consumer, if you're sending a a gift card to the IRS, that's your fault. Now, that being said, that being said, it's important to educate the consumer so that the consumer knows that there is not a government agency on the world that takes any kind of gift card. Don't care what the gift card is. They don't take it. And if you want to know which gift cards, take a guess. Just look at big box stores look at electronic stores. That's the gift cards these criminals are wanting. Right. That's it. All right. So that it's not it's not rocket science to guess which ones. So first of all, the consumer. Anytime you're asked to send a gift card for payment for IRS, for Bell bonds, whatever that is, guess what? That's a scam. Don't do it. Mm-hmm. Right. Don't do it. Now, merchants, I want to tell you right now on the merchant level, if a scammer actually talks a victim, a person, into leaving the house to do something, to send money, whether that be Western Union, MoneyGram, or gift card, There's not a thing in the world that that merchant can do to stop that. That's going to happen. And I'm not just the only person saying that. I I talked to a couple of the money payment services, MoneyGram and Western Union. They both will say the same thing. Stopping somebody once they actually leave the house, not going to happen. It's not going to happen. They're still going to do that. They're going to buy that gift card. They're going to send, they're going to wire that money over. So it it becomes the, the issue at that point of who bears responsibility. Now in the UK right now we're seeing that we're seeing some legislation going through where the banks if 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 the person is a victim and they mistakenly or they get scammed out of sending money who's responsible the banks. I don't mm. agree with that, but that's that's the way the law is going over there. Right
0: <laughs> As now. a merchant at heart I'm like okay. <laughs> of course. Of course. But, you know but at, that's me being day, super transparent sure. that I know I'm biased. <laughs> but you know the problem
1: with that though is if if you enact a law like that What does that do to the consumer?
0: That means the consumers never don't feel like they have any more responsibility. That's that's
1: right. So the consumers just, oh, I'll send it. I don't care at all. Yep. Because I'm covered at the end of the
0: day. Well, they already think that. Sure,
1: they do. So what? What I'm saying is, is we have to educate the consumer. Hey, don't come on, dudes. You're you're sending a gift card to the IRS? You really think that's true? Do you think that, no, I don't care if you're a senior What's Uncle
0: say I'm gonna do with an electronics gift card? Exactly. <laughs> Go buy a new PlayStation.
1: <laughs> so that that's the first thing is is understand, just just sit back and think about it. Okay, yeah, they're they're calling you saying that the, the police are on their way. Warrants have been issued unless you send us money now. Mm-hmm. Okay. Just just think for a second, count to 10. Could this actually happen? No, it couldn't. I'll tell you one, even better. If you think it's true, give me your phone number. Wait, tell me where you're from. I'll call you back. I'll look up the number and I'll call you back. see what happens now are they going to try to get you to call are they going to say that's okay no we're not going to say that's okay
0: (laughs) well and some of these guys like they you know especially when they're hitting the elderly like they'll they have different tactics sometimes they just call and they're their friend for a while because they know they're lonely and then it's like oh okay or they say that they're gonna you know they won a clearinghouse but then you know there's some processing fees and some taxes they have to pay either by wiring money
1: scam that's a classic right
0: well right and you know the thing is is that I actually think that part of the reason why they've moved to gift cards is because the money transfer companies have gotten really smart. They're really up in their game. Um, I know several of them and they do a pretty good job and so Absolutely. can't wire money anymore. So now what do we do? We do gift yeah,
1: you, if, if And I've, it's been a year or two since I've actually sent anything Western Union or MoneyGram. But I, the last time I was sending, I sent some money out you know, they, they get you on the phone. They ask you, you're not sending it to some. Do you know the person you're sending? Yeah. Are you sending it for this? Is it, this? Is it this? Is it this? Is it this? They're trying to make sure that you're not being scammed. Yep. So if, if you're a gift card provider and someone's coming in buying $500 gift cards at a pop, which that's a big box store. If anybody's mm-hmm. wondering, I mm-hmm. won't tell you which one, but just think of the one that's on every single corner. Are. So, if it's a big box store, not in
0: Seattle, in Alabama, they're probably Se- on every corner.
1: They, they are on every single corner. You can't get away from. In
0: Seattle, oh it's God. a Starbucks on every corner. There you, there you go. <laughs> Almost literally. So,
1: but it you know, it, if if you're one of these providers or a merchant that's providing gift cards you need to try to implement the same type of thing. If you see somebody coming in, why are you purchasing this card? Yeah. Are you purchasing it for, for your personal use or are you sending it to someone? Do you know the person you're sending it to? Mm -hmm. It's not a person that's saying that they're from a government agency. Are they just a simple set of questions?
0: Well, and I agree. I knew you were going to say, you know, once they go into the store, they've made their mind up. And I, I actually very much agree with that. I mean, when my grandmother got hit and she was being asked to wire a bunch of money overseas, The first place she went to told her, you know, they asked her those questions and and they said, you know, this doesn't feel right. We can't do this for you. That means that that company that and it was a big box store. It was probably the same. I know it's the same one you're talking about. (laughs) And they trained their frontline staff to ask those questions. And they were like, I'm sorry, we're not going to do it for you. Unfortunately, what happened was she went home and the guy was like called her and was like i I didn't get the money and she said yeah they said it was a scam so i probably shouldn't so he just looked up yep mm -hmm, he looked up another store but what i that's what i was working my way towards was i think that there is a really good way that you can train your frontline staff now those of you that have a huge store i mean you have what like eight thousand locations you know whatever it is like crazy town i i get it but You have training programs for lots of different things. Have a training program and make it a conversation. Don't make it an interrogation. If you know, explain it to your. You know, if you're a a very large retailer that you know sells cosmetics or you know jewelry or maybe it's electronics, and you see this little old lady coming in, buying buying three five hundred dollar gift cards. There you go. That's when you start just asking friendly conversations. Not Who are you buying this for? And I'm not saying that's what you're saying. But instead, it's, oh, wow, what's you must really like this person. Like, what's the occasion? You know, and getting information. And then if they say, oh, uh, well, uh," you know, either they're not going to tell you because they're embarrassed that the IRS called them. Or they're going to, you know, they're going to tell you. Then it's, you know, actually just so you know, there's a lot of scams going on right now. And, and my company has talked to the IRS and my company's talked to the secrets or, or social security administration and they don't ever ask for gift cards. I, I really suggest that you not do this. Yeah, That would really, I think that that would really help. And, and it would also make your company look amazing because if my grandma came, you know, to Easter and said, you know, well, I got this phone call and they told me to do this. So I did. But then I got there, and the person at the store was like, you know, really nice, and explained to me that that was probably a scam. I would be so happy about that merchant. I'd be like, yes, you saved my grandma from being scammed. Absolutely. I'm going to go buy Absolutely. all my Christmas presents there. And, uh, and
1: here's the thing. I mean, you, you said so. It's it's training. All yes. Right? And and for this big box that we're talking about, I don't want to hear. And that's one of the reasons that that when you when you mentioned this to me, I was like the.
0: <sighs> <I don't laughs> well you get bored easily and you're I like i do i do that's been going on for 20 years yeah <laughs> it but it's still happening so that means we still need to talk about it
1: but you know the thing is is this big box 18 months ago 18 months ago they were having trouble with with fraudsters coming in through the self-checkout line grabbing gift cards and doing the swipe on the card. They would have the chip, that. but yeah, remember that they would have the chip, but it would default to stripe after you missed the chip up twice. So, uh, they were having trouble with that. What, what, what happened? What did the big box do? They trained people. Mm-hmm. Look and see what these guys are are buying through the self checkout. Do they have gift cards? Well, guess yeah. what? You can't bring a gift card through that dude. Yeah. They trained them. So yeah. what, we can still have the same training on regular gift card purchases as well.
0: I I really think that's the key. I don't think it's a technology thing. I just don't. I think it's all going to be human. It's going to be education and it's going to be processes and procedures. And if you're educating your frontline retail staff on like, this is what happens and this is how you can protect the company. And maybe you have like some kind of incentive or whatever, you know, because gosh, if you're getting chargebacks, those huge chargebacks, it's going to be cheaper for you to be like, Woo! We'll give you a, you know, we'll give you a twenty dollars gift card to our store if you stop this or whatever it is, you know. However, the store manager wants to set it up, whatever. But if you train them to be empathetic and understand that this happens and give them that information, I think the majority of your frontline staff are going to take that as a directive and be your frontline of defense. I really think that's the way because there's really no technical way. Now, there are some things you can do, like if they're ordering it online, like you can check the age of the person that's buying it. Like there are some of the address and phone verification services out there that also have an approximate age based on public record data. If you see, you know, somebody in their late 70s making a purchase and you're an online gaming company and they're flat amounts and they're pretty big, hmm. Maybe take a second. Look, the other thing you can do, and that actually, you know, came from a a very big one of the top like five retailers in the country gave me uh, told me that that's one of the things that they do because they see similar scams. But these are only when they're ordered online, when they're ordered in person. It's not the same. The other thing you can do is have, you know, dollar restrictions. So, you know, no more than two hundred dollars a gift card or whatever it is. So lowering it. But I really think that the biggest piece is education for the, especially the instances where they come on, they come in person because you don't have fraud prevention technology that can, you know, (laughs) there's no device ID at that point or anything (laughs) else like that. (laughs) You know, there's a human ID. So I I do think it is in-person training. And I think that sometimes companies don't want to go that route because they're like, oh, it's so much work and it's subjective. And I get that. But what else is there? you know, and I think that some of the best companies like you used the Reddit breach as an example, the other a couple weeks ago about like what to do. I think that the companies that are super honest with their customers, and they're like, Hey, this is what's going on right now. This is how to protect yourself are the ones that also get the most consumer loyalty, because I hear from consumers all the time, they're like, I just don't know what to do. And to me, it's common sense. But to them, it's not and I have to be understanding about that. I think that you know, I mean, my college roommates, husband had his you know, social media account taken over recently. And I wanted to be like, let me guess, you used a simple password, right? You know, but instead, I was like, Hey, I really suggest that you do two factor authentication, you have a unique password for that. And it's not easy to guess, you know, so we have to do it in the right ways. But there, when account takeover first came out, It was a huge problem for online gaming companies. I know I've mentioned this before, a little bit of a different step. So I'm going to name this company because I think they did an exceptional job and it was six years ago. Xbox was one of the first companies to really experience account takeover on a big scale that I knew of. There were several other online g- gaming companies that were happening at the same time, but this was public. So I'm mentioning them. Sure. They went out and they have really good engagement with their users and they have, you know, blogs and they have forums and all this other stuff. And they went out and they provided a lot of online safety information to their users. Hey guys, like, you know, this is what's happening. You don't want somebody draining your account. Here's how you prevent it. In like a fun way, they worked with their PR department, the fraud department worked with the PR department to have the right voice to capture attention. Sometimes it was in little tweets, sometimes it was in, you know, an FAQ, sometimes it was a video, like a funny dorky video. They they had a whole promotion around this and they did it in different ways, layered it up on their social media and other things like that. And It was really successful. And that was like the best way for them to fight account takeover. Now that bought them a little bit of time because they were able to also implement some new technology and processes to be able to really prevent it long term. But educating their users wasn't just good for the company. It was good for their users. And it made their users feel like, wow, Xbox really has our back. You know, this is out of their control rather than other gaming companies I know that will never even admit to this day that there's account takeover happening right. on right. their platform. But what happens is all over the forums, it's oh, well, you don't want to play that game because somebody's just gonna scam you into emptying your purse or your coins or whatever it's called. Or you're, you know, get transferring your skins or whatever the game terminology is in, in whatever game you're playing. I think that Xbox handled it really well, and I've seen other companies do that too. There are other companies that, whenever there's a really large data dump of usernames and passwords, they send out an email or they force a password reset, and they say this is for your protection. Those are the kinds of things that I think that we need to be seeing more companies doing. I really think that we need to be sharing education. I'm going to be mentioning this on my on the episode about vendors too, but. I was talking to a merchant the other day who is going through an RFP process on a specific type of fraud technology. And I hear from a lot of merchants because they like to vent about the experience, both good and bad, and <laughs> share with me what they think about certain companies over other companies and stuff like that. And I'll never say which merchant said it, but if but I have had a few vendors engage me as a consultant for strategy calls on that topic. That's not the issue here. So they were saying that there's one company that won't even let them like let their developers play in the sandbox and test things out and do QA. And on this other end of the spectrum, there's another company that has been providing so much education to them. And even there like even noticing like where they're where their faults are and like you know what hey we don't have this totally you know this is happening this can happen on our system but we're working on it that gives the merchant trust that like okay yeah you're gonna fix it they the sandbox is completely open for the developers to do as much qa testing as possible then once they actually uh sign up for the product they get a half a day training with an expert on not only how to use their tool, but how to spot certain things and the type of fraud they're seeing and and what to do. And I don't want to give too many more details because it'll explain <laughs> the vertical, but it's really, I mean, it's night and day. And she was like, that makes me hands down love that second company because they're not hoarding information and just saying, trust us, we know what we're doing. They're saying, here, let me take your hand and help you and, and teach you what we know and as more information comes out, we'll keep telling you. And we want to be your partner. And I think that that's huge. It's a game changer. And I think that the same thing can be said for how much merchants love that from vendors. That's how, That's what most good consumers these days, because they know security, cybersecurity is an issue. They may not understand it. They may not get what they need to do. But they know it's a problem. If a company that they shop with is trying to protect them on that, I think it's gonna do more good than harm. And I'm saying that because I'm loading you up ammunition for when you tell your PR department you want to come out and tell talk to people about preventing fraud because the first thing they're gonna wanna say is well, we don't want to admit that we have fraud. Okay. Well, <laughs> everyone has fraud. Like, how come hacking and breaches are more of a like commonplace now than Account takeovers or carding—it drives me crazy. (laughs) You said that I was,
1: I was, I was. Yesterday, I spoke in Atlanta at the uh, North American Fraud Forum, and I ended the presentation. I actually ended the presentation talking about victims, but right before I got to that part, I I I was talking. Everyone in the audience were uh, were banking people, you know, financial Mm. institutions. So I, I I I mentioned right before the victims, I was like, look, I said a lot of you guys have, you know, you you battle fraud in-house or you sign up with some sort of third-party vendor that takes care of fraud for you i said here's my advice to you the first thing is is any vendor that looks at you and says hey we are your one-stop shop to stop all fraud they're lying to you there is no one-stop shop all right i said that's the first thing but you were talking about that and it occurs to me you know you're right i mean everybody's trying to say oh we don't have we don't want to discuss fraud we don't want to talk about that well guess what If you're not talking about it, you don't want to discuss it, you're trying to hide it, you're lying about it. Because guess what? If you're in a vertical, if you have a product or a service that makes money, you are going to be a victim of fraud. And probably you already have been. So everyone knows it.
0: Right. And you've mentioned this before, too. Like there's such a shame factor with victims. And it's like, no, I mean, the perpetrator is the one that should have shame. Yeah. It's not you. And so and I don't think that you have to come out and say, hey, we've been we're seeing this kind of fraud on our site. You don't even have to do that. It's just, hey, we are aware of what's going on online and we want to keep our customers safe. Here's how you keep yourself. Absolutely. Safe. But we need your help. Like we need your partnership. Here's how you help us help us help you. (laughs) It's like Jerry (laughs) Maguire, right? (laughs) Help me help you. (laughs) I think that that is super important and it just goes the distance. And I think that you don't have to admit about doing it, but it drives me crazy when like, there's all these companies that don't want their employees speaking because they don't want to have it on the agenda that they have fraud, you know, or they don't want or have interviews or do all these things. And, And I understand it because I've been in it, but I also don't understand it because The more we talk about it, the less it's stigmatized.
1: Exactly. Oh, we don't have fraud. We're not going to talk about that. Really? Really?
0: Well, right. It's either you talking about it or customers talking about it on forums. You know what? I'll
1: I'll tell you who is talking about it. All the fraudsters who are ripping you off. (laughs) That's who's talking about it.
0: Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's very true. (laughs) Right. Yeah. We're going to hoard this information. We're not going to talk to other people. We're not going to admit that we do it. Well, if you don't, I mean, it's kind of like that's there's a reason why that's the very first step in Alcoholics Anonymous. Right. Admitting that you have a problem. That's it. Because if you don't admit that you have a problem, then you can't work on that problem. You can't fix that problem. And so I think that we all need to just admit, you know, hi, my name is Enter Merchant here. We have a fraud problem. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> and i'm a fraudaholic um oh my gosh sorry guys i'm like starting to get goofy a little bit but oh well uh, everyone who listens to this knows i'm a dork so eh whatever it's not safe. at all
1: not at. but you know what we are coming up on the close of this episode <laughs>
0: i knew we would i know and actually you knew we would too i i had like listed out a bunch of stuff but i just to recap i think that this specific type of fraud and other types of fraud like it that are hitting your card present stores. I think that training your customers, like the big box store that you know Brett talked about, like you know, I suggested training them on that. If it's all online, then look for those patterns or educate your users by emails, social media, make it fun, you know, do something like that. If you were to reach out to a media source and say like, hey, I'm from this company and we really want to get the word out to people that This is happening and we want to protect them like it's huge. And I do think I'm not a PR specialist, but I do know several people in PR around cybersecurity and they say the same thing, like acting like you don't have a problem is just going to make it worse. And if you're not talking about it, if you're not doing something about it publicly, your users are on Reddit or Twitter or wherever talking about it. So it's going to get out one way or another. Wouldn't you rather control the narrative?
1: Yeah, you're right. I mean, yeah. if you don't get ahead of it and control the narrative, it will be controlled for you. Right. That's the key.
0: Yeah, abs- absolutely. And I think that this victim assisted fraud, you know, with gift cards and stuff plays so well into what we were just talking about with opening up our podcast to more people. Because in that fraud, it impacts the consumer who's going to be out the money, but then also the merchant because they might be out the money later. And then also, you know, the financial institution and, you know, all these other pieces. And so those are the kinds of things we're going to be talking about and bringing experts in to do it. We cannot thank you guys enough for your support and for listening to our first season. We will go out with a bang at CMP Expo. We're really excited about that. We'll see everybody soon. Brett, do you have anything else that you want to Ad That's before. it. I, you know, I appreciate
1: you guys listening to us this season. And as I said, we're going to continue right on with the next season. We're going to take a couple of three weeks break, come back stronger, better than ever, with some more new topics and designed to hit everything that we possibly can about cybercrime.
0: I think that sounds like a good plan. <laughs> and definitely be. order your online broadcast T shirt if you haven't yet. I'll yes. put the link in the show notes again. I I know a lot of people are uh, are ordering them, and we've even had at least one special request for a onesie. Because uh, one of our listeners, his daughter, listens to our podcast in the back of the car. Poor kid doesn't have a choice. But apparently she falls asleep (laughs) listening to us. (laughs) Well, there you go. She's a big fan.
1: (laughs) I I enjoy that. All right. Well, (laughs) that is it for our episode today. We thank you for joining us, and we hope you've learned a lot. We've got so many of these topics to cover that we have covered this season, and we're going to continue to cover next season to help protect you and your companies from fraud. So please subscribe to Online Fraudcast to be alerted when a new episode is out. Please tell your friends, rate and review wherever, and I mean wherever you can, (laughs) to help more people find out
0: about us. And we always love hearing from you guys what you love so far, how we can improve, what topics you want to hear us discuss. You can find us on Facebook as well as on our website, www.onlinefrogcast.com, as well as individually on LinkedIn.
1: Until next time, stay informed, stay
0: vigilant, and stay secure.